Good morning, good evening, good night, and welcome to the all new Midnight Movie Club. All right, here we go. Now, now you're officially in the movie club. Uh, Moment. I'm your host, Lester Rowe. New episode of the Midnight Movie Club. I have a, a guest. We're gonna do, we're doing this live via satellite, like Zoom, uh, the future or the current, because everyone does Zoom now. He is uh, across, or you're out east, right? DC, DC, in DC. Uh, I got Lance Kramer who is the producer. Can I say director or should we just say, say producer? Don't say director because I'm not the director. I'm going to get in trouble with the director, who's my brother. And then that's going to start a family feud. So so we're going to produce a slash director of the first step <laughs> documentary that has uh, been making a wave for two years now. Relatively, roughly two years, um, on the documentary starring Van Jones of CNN. But before we get started, we'll just make sure you go follow on the social media, uh, facebook.com slash Arrow Films, uh, Arrow Films on Facebook, Twitter, uh, in the Midnight Movie Club on Instagram as well. Oh, all this on Instagram, uh, Midnight Movie Club, Midnight Movie Pod on Instagram, P-O-D. And uh, stream like everywhere. The clips are being out there, so you'll know what this is about. And normally, what I say is if we talk about any movies, we may spoil them. I don't do spoiler alerts. So if you hear a movie and you think we're going to talk about it, you think we're going to spoil it, just fast forward or look in the show notes and we'll tell you what movies we actually talk about. And that way you'll know what to prepare for. But we'll be talking about the first step for the most part. Um, so, Lance. We get to chat again. Again. Uh, again. It's like, this is technically the third time. Technically, it's the third time. It's true. Because he, he met, I met him uh, at my job and we talked and then I found out he would be at Tallgrass and we got to talk again and now we're talking again and that's one hell of a journey. And we have kind of a reverse pandemic friendship then because <laughs> most people that met during the pandemic met on zoom and then maybe if they were lucky they met in person later but we're the yeah. reverse we actually met in real life and now we're doing a zoom two years later so Th that is that is that is very bizarre because <laughs> we met during a time where the, the mask was very uh are we doing this or are we not doing this? <laughs> And everyone had to figure out Zoom. Now everyone's looking at each other in the face and they were like, hey, you know, you stay over there. I'll be over here. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was 2021 when we met. That would have been 2021. It would be 2021. Yeah. And roughly when you started this um, journey with the first step. Pretty early on. Yeah. So a couple of things I want to do. And I know you, you, you've been on tour with this now. Um, talking about the movie and some of the themes of the movie or the documentary, a feature-length documentary. Um, but I also want to make this beneficial, and what I try to do with the Midnight Movie Club is make it beneficial to other filmmakers. Mm -hmm. I know one of the conversations we had early on is 
um, about the tough road that you were having in terms of getting it out, getting it sold, getting it purchased, um, and just figuring out what the play would be at the time, considering, um, you know, we had, we had a lot of streaming, a lot of digital situations where it, it wasn't known what all you could do. And then you had digital leveraging against theater. <laughs> we didn't have a lot of theater. So you had a lot of roadblocks going into uh, getting your own project out. Uh, and I think that's beneficial for other filmmakers as well to kind of know what that's like. Cause some people are starting their first documentary thinking, Oh, I can make a dope documentary, get it out there. Or they have many, many projects still trying to get it figured out. So I want to at least be able to uh, have those type of conversations on the complicated part of filmmaking, uh, less conversations about criminal criminal reform. Cause I'm sure you've had many of those. Uh, but we do want to sell this movie. So, uh, so let's start with what is the first step about what's that elevator pitch? What's that thing that you've said 20,000 times now? I'll try to say it different. So, uh, keep it fresh, but, um, the film is, so it's a documentary film. Um, as, as you mentioned, it's been two years since we finished it. And then before that, it was five years in making. And, um, the film follows the advocate Van Jones. Some people know him from CNN, don't know him from CNN. He was a grassroots activist for about 25 years before he was on CNN, fighting for things like civil rights, criminal justice reform. Um, he's also worked on the addiction crisis and green jobs, bunch of different progressive issues. Um, during the Trump administration, Van, while many of his colleagues and peers on the left were doubling down on the resistance and um, organizing around ways to resist the administration, Van um, committed himself towards trying to find some way to get something done on criminal justice reform and the addiction crisis amidst all the crazy divides in the country and also given the Trump administration's stance, which was not a progressive stance at all on those issues. Right. And committed himself to trying to find some way forward to get something done to help people. And so the film follows his journey, trying to be a bridge builder and build a coalition across party lines to fight for people impacted by the criminal justice system and addiction crisis. And I hope in a very kind of honest and complex way looks at just how hard it is to be someone trying to bring people together in a time of divisiveness and polarization, especially when you had someone like Donald Trump in the White House. And when passing legislation at that time, really at any time, requires getting a signature of the president of the United States. When Trump was president, it required getting Donald Trump's uh, signature um, on any bill that past Congress. And so the film deals with a lot of the controversy around 
what transpired when someone like Van was, you know, working with elected officials on the left and the right to try and get uh, a piece of legislation passed that would bring people home from prison. So in, in this film, uh, you know, now that we are, uh, well, before I get into that, before I get into the dirty mm-hmm. part of it, talk about how long it took you to get from start to finish. Cause I remember we talked before and if you haven't heard our previous conversation, I do have it on the Midnight Movie Club podcast stream. But um, you you talked about how there there was a point of the film where you thought we probably don't have anything. So kind of talk about the early stages and then getting to the point of knowing that, hey, I think we really have something that we can put together and put out. There was more, I mean, there was more than one instance where we thought we didn't have anything or I shouldn't say that we, not that we thought we didn't have anything, but that we weren't sure we had a movie. We had something and you know, we had footage in relationships, but we didn't always know that we had a movie. Right. Um, I'll give you a couple of those moments. Or I mean, a couple of those moments that come to mind. Um, one of the earliest moments was, um, we had been filming for about a year. And that's not just like show up every once in a while. That was like pretty solid spending a significant amount of time with Van and other people in his team for about a year. Um, in 2017, after Trump was elected and Van wrote a book, he went on a speaking tour. He went to colleges. He was doing all this stuff, um, to kind of speak more in the abstract about his vision for bridge building and how he saw kind of a way forward, his strategy for bringing people together. And that's what his book was about. He gave these really, you know, eloquent speeches on college campuses, all this, um, there was a lot of rhetoric and there were great speeches and we filmed a lot of them, but we had no movie because it's like, you know, Al Gore made a movie about a speech yeah. called An Inconvenient Truth. And, yep. you know, there's a, there are a couple movies that are like that. You know, some are good, most are not. And, um, and we certainly didn't want to be falling in the category of just making a film speech. And also, um, we're, we're, we're not interested in preaching to people. And we were trying to tell a story and we we're also just trying to tell a complicated story because we knew that the realities of trying to bring people together is not simple. And so we had a real, we were, we were asking ourselves, like, is this, was this an interesting ride, but maybe a dead end because, um, there wasn't necessarily a story there. And, um, it took, it took a couple things to maybe break the seal on that, to start feeling like, oh, there might actually be something more here. Um, one was when Charlottesville happened and we were actually with Van at one of those speeches, Charlottesville happened and he had to give a speech the next day and we're actually in Nashville when it happened. 
And um, because we were already with him, um, you know, we had all our gear and we were just planning on filming the speech. But based on that crisis, Van was getting phone calls from Revenant Sharpton, from all these other civil rights leaders and um, elected officials, all these people that were trying to figure out how to be and respond in that moment of crisis were calling him. And he was having these real time um, conversations, trying to just figure out what do we do in this moment? And there was no script for that at all. Yeah. And, 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 and instead of pushing us away from pushing us and the camera away, he let us in. So we were filming with Van in those very intimate spaces, having those conversations as he was navigating the crisis personally and professionally and just as an American. And that kind of showed us that, um, there was a vulnerability that this film could tap into beyond the kind of podium and the speech and, 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 and that he trusted us to be there. And so that was a really important kind of first, maybe like, uh, Step. yes. <laughs> and, hey, so we got a bit. Um, and then the other thing that, uh, and none of that's in the film, by the way, that's like material yeah. that we, we filmed, but it's not actually in the movie. Um, the other thing that, that happened was that when Van got a phone call or the invitation from Jared Kushner to go to that meeting to talk about criminal justice reform, that was a real breakthrough because it was like, oh, this is where the story is starting. Something's happening. This, we don't, this is actually just something that's taking off and beginning and we don't know where it's going to go. And once that we were, once that storyline in a sense started to materialize, it became really clear that that was, you know, um, it almost certainly going to be a spine in the film, but then even, even once the, the trajectory of the build took off, there was, it was never clear that the bill was going to pass and we would have plenty of moments where the people on the front lines fighting for the bill, um, you know, thought that the bill was just dead in the water and this was it. And they were, you know, they're back, they were on the ropes and, um, you know, we were then asking ourselves as filmmakers, okay, are we telling a story about a bill that failed? or an effort that failed. And, you know, I remember having a conversation with one of my mentors where I was really confused about, well, did we not have a movie if the bill fails? I mean, don't they have to win, you know, for it to be a movie? And he's like, you know, just remember the, like the advice that he gave me is like, you know, he asked me, he's like, how, how does Rocky end? But, and, 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 and I said, and, I hadn't seen Rocky for a while. I was like, well, he wins. Right. And he's like, no. Man, you gotta go. He's like, man, you gotta go back and watch Rocky. Rocky loses. Rocky won. And so he's like, no one thinks that Rocky is a horrible movie. It's a great film. And yeah. in a sense, it's a great film in part because he loses. So, you know, the his counsel was just like, Don't don't think that just a victory has to lead to 
of being a necessary ingredient of a great film. The key is, is there a good story that you're telling? And is there something that comes through that story, win, lose, or draw, and pay attention to whatever that authentic thing is that's happening before your eyes. Don't try to force it to be something other than what it is. And, and, um, you know, even though they still won, thank God, and that created the pathway for people to come home from a policy perspective, even still that ending of the film is bittersweet because there was blowback and consequences as a result of the way the bill had to come together. And so then we felt like that was something that also wound up being important to reflect in the film too. So even with the victory, it's still kind of this paradox or kind of complexity. And there was just things like that that would happen every step of the way that we had to negotiate or navigate. As a, you know, as a fellow documentarian, you know, working, you know, I work with a lot of journalists, um, who work in news. And for me, coming from documentary and as well as like short films, thrillers, and horrors, you know, I l- tend to lean on what is is the story there? Not the facts, not the information. Is the story there? Mm-hmm. Um, is there something that if I if an audience is watching, do they gravitate? Do they relate to it? Does it make them feel mm-hmm. something? And can I resolve that feeling at the end in some form, whatever it is, uh, working with journalists, um, they are kind of more, you know, I, I need a positive outcome or I need some way to end it. I need a human element. I need all these different things to tell the story when sometimes the story is just developing inside the moments. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and kind of listening to you talk, you know, uh, and this is where we kind of do, you know, shop talk in a way. Um, you know, when you talk about getting Jared Kushner um, or backing up one, uh, Charlottesville, as disgusting as some of these things sound, it's like, holy shit, I got a moment right now, you know, and how do you lean into this moment without feeling like you're going over the line. So in ways, uh, uh, a band saying, okay, yeah, let's keep all this going. You, you keep doing your film in ways kind of becomes a gift because I'm in so many situations where people are like, turn it off. It's like, no, 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 turn it off. Mm-hmm. I'll turn it off. Um, and, and then going to Jared, you know, and this is kind of a, Two-sided, two-part, two-sided response for one question. Um, Another moment where you go, holy shit, we got Jared Kushner. We have someone in that cabinet in our film. How do you take these moments and decide, you know, I think we need to lean in this, lean into this. I think we finally, like, we just had a, 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 a powder puff piece, but now we have drama here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's yeah, I mean it's 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 a great it's a I I like your question a lot. Like and it's at the core of I think what you're talking about is at the core of everything. I mean, I'm not interested in making off pieces or, you know, vanity projects or anything like that. That's not 
that's not what I'm setting out to do, especially as an independent filmmaker. Right. Um, that's not my purpose. And it's not because I don't love and care about the people in our film. It's not that at all. It, the people talking about, I'm not talking about the elected officials. I'm talking about like, <laughs> the if you like Trump, you like Trump, that's fine. But he just get, got indicted. So. No, no, no. I, I read the headlines. Like, it's, it, but, but the regular people that we make our films about, you know, you, you spend so much time with people, you're in their lives so much in such intimate ways. Like you, it's almost like you, if you don't like, or even, you know, love them and care about them, it's real people who you value in your life, then there's no reason to make the movie in the first place because you can't, it's just hard. That for, for me, I can't say for anyone else, but just for me. And so, but what that means though, is that you're trying to represent someone in, you can never fully represent someone's whole being no movie. I don't, I haven't yet to see a movie that can totally represent the totality of a human being. Like it's, but you're trying 100%. to give, you're trying to give some sort of um, representation that feels true to who they are and feels like when someone sees themselves in the film, they feel like they see the person they know. Right. And that requires in most cases, being able to represent someone, not just on the good days, but on the bad days, not just when they do things well, but when they fuck up and you to get to a point where someone trusts you as the filmmaker to be there in that kind of way takes spending a lot of time with someone and getting to know them so that they can understand who you are, who I am and what I'm all about and what my intentions are so that they can feel like they can let their shoulders down and say, all right, I'm not going to be my sculpted kind of manicured self, but I feel like I can just trust that the camera can know me for who I am and that that's not going to come back to bite me in the ass and that my you know and that's just like you know one of the reasons why these movies take so long is because you're trying to do that or because we're trying to do that and um you know there's no gotcha moments in our film we're very very clear about before we film you know why is this moment why is the scene important conversation preceding almost everything you got to remember that every moment that's in that film it's not like a little hidden camera on the tip of a pen it's a camera on a shoulder with a boom you know a sound person holding a booming it's a small crew but it's still a crew and so you know it's for a presence and so then it's not a fly on the wall it's I mean, it's a big ass fly, you know, so yeah. it's like, you know, when people say fly on the wall, it's like a silly, I understand the expression, but it's not the reality of what this is like, because it's not just a passive type of observation. You're in someone's life, but then there's a way that you develop a fam- familiarity with, with people so that the camera hopefully doesn't become, um, a presence that draws so much attention to itself and then that makes it the kind of thing that for me as for my brother and i as a filmmaker then 
um, we're hopefully trying to gain the trust of the people in the film van or otherwise to be able to be with them through all the range of their kind of human experiences that they're going through. And then for us, that means that we're sitting with that just the same, figuring out how do we represent that into a film that someone could watch and be able to engage with the drama in a way that draws them into the story and doesn't push them away from the story. And with some, to your other point, with something like this, where politics are involved, where there's people in the film that the protagonist is engaging with, who many people hate or fear or both, or just outright despise. It's like, what do you do? What do you do? Right. Do you just put them all out? Do you just cut them all out? You know, is is it just giving them, if just representing them in the film, um, uh, it, you know, it's your responsibility to not include them in the film at all. You know, if you disagree with them or believe that they're causing harm and our, our feeling was always that, um, you know, we were very clear eyed, look, I didn't vote for that administration and, you know, I certainly did not support so many of the things that they were doing. End of sentence. <laughs> and all and, and end of sentence. And also, we were trying to tell a story about someone who was fighting for something that we thought was a cause that was worth understanding better because the purpose behind trying to get people home from prison was something that I believed in. And I also believe in the democratic process and I believe in this country and felt that, and I believe in civil discourse and you know, and I just believe in the attempt to try and make this country better and fight for justice. And I also believe that honest storytelling is part of the way that we get there through looking at our flaws, not just our successes. And so that kind of belief for us is what led us to include some of this really hard stuff in the movie and to try to just do it in a way that felt ethical and that would maybe lead to some healing and not further harm. And, you know, that's in the eyes of the beholder, whether we've succeeded in that. I, I feel like, you know, we did, we did a good job with that, but at the end of the day, it's really just in the audience's eyes with, if we succeeded with that. Right. Cause you, you talked about, you said we want to do some honest storytelling and Making as many uh, stories as I've made at this point in documentary, it's kind of, uh, I don't know if paradoxical is the word or not, but to, to, because it's not honest. You know, when we add that music track there, we cut that thing in this spot or try to find that moment that, you know, as you're, you know, I, I don't know what your initial cut was, but let's just say your initial cut was two hours 15. Well, there's moments where you have to take this out, even though it provides some additional context. But removing this and scooting this forward <clears throat> adds a little, uh, adds stakes to the situation. Uh, even though this is a, 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 you know, the type of documentary I, may, I, I prefer to make is those that happen in real time. I'm following mm -hmm. time as, it, as it's happening. And then, you know, when you talk about that cinema verbite or, they're flying a wall. It's like, yeah, I agree. You know, a lot of 
when you put that camera in the room, it's not on the wall. Like they know that it's happening and they have to make decisions. Um, well, two things have to happen. They have to make the decision to be honest or um, be very tactful in the things that they say. Or you may have someone in the room who is going to go out the way to keep the situation honest. And I, and I know there's a point in your film where Lewis does that. I think that's his name. The, and it, I hate to call him ex-con, but I mean, For, yeah, formerly incarcerated. Yeah. Um, but you know, these moments are things that are going to help drive the vehicle of the story. You know, uh, we talk about me and a friend of mine, we talk about writing when we get into script writing is like, you have to give people some new information. You, you can't keep reiterating this thing over and over. It, there has to be new information applied. And sometimes when you spend years hearing the same information, you're saying honest storytelling, but there is some embellishment of story in order just to move this needle of some degree of call to action, of, uh, of drama, or just raising the stakes so you can have whatever that payoff needs to be by the end. I mean, look, like there's like we're making a movie at the end of the day, so it's not a security camera footage. Yeah. You know, you're, you're it's a movie. You're trying to tell a story. It's at the end of the day. You know, in our case, we we're hoping that it would be something could play in a movie theater lights down. You got 80, 90 minutes of someone's attention. And you hope it's informative, but also entertaining and mm -hmm then there is a real ethical question about can you do that without creating fake stakes? Mm. What I see in a lot of films that I watch, especially nonfiction films, are fake stakes. Where you're using some of those devices that you were alluding to to dial up or inject stakes that maybe were not there in the first place or certainly weren't amplified on that level. Right. And... I don't try to do that with our film. I think what I try to, and again, this is just in the eyes of the beholder, but I think what we try to look for are where are those stakes present in people's lives and, or at least in the way that they're seeing their life. And then how can you use cinematic devices to, uh, in a sense, almost complement the emotions that someone's already feeling. So even with like the score, you're talking about music. There's a score throughout the film, an original score. I love the score. Joshua Abrams, the composer who wrote the score, it took him 18 months to write the score of this film. 18 months. And even after spending 18 months writing the score and composing it, performing it with live musicians, there are people who watch the film and not even realize that there's a music track. Not, not even realize that there's an original score. And Joshua will be thrilled when he gets that kind of feedback, because then yeah. he feels like, oh, you just felt the score. You weren't listening to the score. You just felt it. Right. You know, and that's, that's kind of like our touch is if maybe the filmmaking kind of disappears at a certain point because you just in it and the filmmaking isn't really calling attention to itself because you just in the movie, you're in the story. Then I feel like maybe we succeeded as filmmakers and telling the story and then maybe we're also being true to the way that the story actually played out which is difficult i mean you know the because i think when we 
let me think of the time scale. Okay. So when we met, I, I, I had made this documentary. Yeah. Well, I was working on a political one at the time. Mm-hmm. I think you were just starting. Yeah. If I remember. Yeah. Well, where you were working. I remember you were working on it. Let me see. When was she elected? It doesn't matter. <laughs> the part, well, uh, when you're trying, when, you know, I I like to say the documentary is this crossroad between entertainment and facts, uh, or real life. And it's a, it's such a difficult dance because, you know, it's so many documentaries that I've watched that I love, uh, documentarians, uh, that I learned, uh, do embellish, like not just a little, but a lot, meaning I didn't get what I wanted out of this thing. We're going to revisit it later and, you know, have some off off camera conversations about, Hey man, we need you to push a little more uh, in the direction. And it's such a, especially in your case with a, a political documentary where you're in a time where things are already divisive. You have a actual arm of documentarians in the political space that is using document documentary to uh, form narrative of ideas and stoke fear and and mm-hmm. and those sort of things. But in your film, in ways, just to provide some pushback, um, it's showing a complicated that. Well, this was a theme that came up in the film. You know, Van Jones being what some would consider a sellout or um, cowtown to the administration in order to get this thing done. And it's almost like, well, was that worth it uh, for him to to do these sort of things? It's like, well, now or is he performing? And, I'll, and I'm sure you know this by being with him, but we only get a little over 90 minutes to figure this out. Uh is this performative at this point because he knows the cameras is there are there or is he really an honest broker because he is the narrator in ways of of the film because it is a fly on the wall style so it's his voice that we're following in these moments um so i don't even know where i was trying to go with that (laughs) but well i could go no go ahead go ahead well i was gonna say um you know, in your observation, how does having a, a character with a very difficult role and trying not, I'm going to say trying try not to be divisive, but having in real life live in a moment where he is creating additional divisiveness between, well, most of his parties and the people that he's advocating for. I mean, the... Yeah, it's it, what you're speaking to is, is is the truth, and you know I think our what we felt as filmmakers was better to just represent that in the film. So what you're speaking to is something that's in the movie, mm-hmm. you know. So it's not outside of the movie; it's in the movie. There's one way to tell that story or to represent it, which is that hey, there's this controversy around band bunch of people are really angry or upset, feel harmed or hurt by Van. And we're going to leave that out because 
man may not want that in the to say if fan didn't want that in the movie and or that we didn't think someone would want to hear any of that whatever the case was that like we just wanted to like neuter it out of the story and just leave it out um then i think you actually start creating um a different reality in the film the universe of the film than actually what's going on like in the world and so our thing was that these were not just conversations, but controversies that were happening in real time with, with and around Van. And we thought that it was really important to be able to um, deal with directly in the film. And Van, in his credit, um, believed in that too. So, you know, the final, the film is the final cut. It's the filmmaker's final cut. It's not... Um, anyone else but Brandon really not even me but Brandon you know making those creative decisions and so at the end of the day you also it's like don't take man's word for it but take the filmmaker's word for it is this the filmmaker's best way to represent what they saw and felt as being truthful and um and you know that's I think where there's only there's always more than one way to tell a story too but this is like our way of telling a story and, um, you know, is Van someone who is highly conscious of how he appears in public or in camera? Of course, he's a public figure. Every single public figure in the film is that way from Donald Trump to Jared Kushner, to Cory Booker, to Kamala Harris, to Bernie Sanders, uh, Rand Paul, Kim Kardashian, um, uh, down to uh you know van himself like all these people are in front of cameras every day you know and they're they're um in many cases highly you know manicured and on script and so then um we know that but then there's some process i think that we're trying to um you know work towards and breaking through some of that veneer to get at something that um is not just off script but feels authentic and so in a lot of cases the you know we had over 400 hours of footage well, i'll say this that we had over 400 hours of original footage it's an 89 minute movie with the credits so without the credits it's about 86 minutes so the actual movie is probably less than or it's about one percent of the footage that we shot and there's a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor that is more performative or that is more of the moments where someone is really aware of the camera or it's that kind of repetition like what you're talking about right and so a big part of also the editorial process is going through all the material and trying to really sift out like, okay, where does it feel like this is actually just a real moment and you're not getting some of the other kinds of things like what you're talking about. And then to do that and not, in a sense, weaponize it against the people who are in the film and say, well, I was with you for eight hours, and, you know, seven and a half hours was, you know, you being careful and then you kind of let your guard down for 20 minutes and now I got you. It's not that at all because we make a commitment 
to every person who's in the film who's not an elected official and public figure that will share the film with them before the film is completed. And so then it's really important just as far as our relationship and trust and ethics with them that they feel before the film is released in the public that we represented them well. So we feel that kind of burden and responsibility um, in putting it together to just make sure that this is something that also they could, that could have their blessing. So yeah, so, I mean, it's, that doesn't mean it's easy for them all the time. A lot of times it's really hard for them. Yeah. But they, they, they ultimately, every single person in the film gave the film their blessing in that sense. There's, uh, you know, working with, uh, news journalists and, and reporters, um, that's something that they kind of struggle with. You know, they, uh, at times they are so, um, and maybe it's a little different in our case, but they're so worried about future access, oh, yeah. uh, future statements, being able to be first in this information gathering attempt and so many different things. That, and, and as well as the breadth of uh, content that would need to be cut down. Uh, it It's in, you know, a lot, everyone wants to make documentary. Everyone said you should make a documentary on this. And it's like, you don't realize how boring some of this shit is. But everyone wants to do it. Everyone thinks you should do something. They watch Netflix and Hulu and HBO and everything and Prime. And there's so many different um, avenues that they see and get inspired by and think, oh, I think, oh, uh, I want to make one of those, blah, 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 blah. But then the real actual making of those things becomes very difficult. Because you do have to sift through so much information and content and video and boring parts. And, and you do have to go, this person's not going to like this, but this needs to be represented because this is the truth. And this is how people feel. This is the natural real reaction um, that we have to be a part of. And, you know, so many of those people in those media roles want to be this type of storyteller, but do, does not want to sacrifice yeah. being accosted even for like someone thinking you got them wrong or saying the wrong thing, or whatever. It's like, but it's true of the power here. It's like, I, I we're on a mission. You know, I try to be very authentic in what I put out there. I do realize I need to entertain people and that's, you know, a primary goal of, of mine when I make something. Uh, my ethics usually come from, is this the right thing to say? And that's solely what I'm usually going to be concerned about. Is this the right thing to say? Um, one of the, one of the threads of your film, you know, I, is, is, yeah, this thing got, past but there's also the other part of it is there's so many people that's not happy about who passed it who's going to get credit for it um and you represent those people you those people are shown in there how did you you know navigate that to go in ways i do have a happy ending but as well i have a lot of unhappy people but if I showed, it's kind of like if I show these unhappy people, does that take away from the positive that my film or your film can give hope to others? Like, hey, we're actually getting progress in this in this 
uh, space. I mean, that what you're describing is, I think, what the film is about. It's like, it's like a world where two things are true, or more than two things are true. You know, good, no good deed goes unpunished. Whatever you know, mantra you want to um, point to the kind of contradictions and complexities, their paradoxes that, right, like kind of live at the same time. Um, I think is a lot of what the movie is about. So it's like, you know, even the end cards, the end slates, there's, you know, we were really intentional about this, that there's two end slates in the, at the end of the movie when, um, um, when Lonnie comes home from prison and there's a whole sequence then of a few other people who come home from prison. First slate, more than 10,000 people came home. It's an incredible feat that yeah. more than 10,000 human beings who did not have their freedom were now home. And then also 30 seconds later, you find out, but there's still 2.2 million who are not home. And it's like, okay, what do you do? Two things are true, you know? And that's, that's like one of the biggest spaces where that shows up, but then it plays out in so many of the other interactions and relationships and dynamics that are in the film, like what you were dis discussing, uh, or what you were sharing about, you know, that victory being the victory that led to Lonnie and others coming home and also Van's relationships with people who were once friends or allies or peers being fractured and that being true or in the process of being a bridge builder or in a sense, someone who's trying to bring people together that as an outcome of trying to bring people together, you find yourself isolated. How could that be true? You know, it's like all these things, uh, um, you know, the fact that, uh, you could have criminal justice reform passed by this law and order president who never campaigned on any of this stuff. And may never do something like that again. May wind up in prison himself. I, you know, I, I, I was going like, to get to this. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, you know, it's like the, all these things, you know, or the fact that you could have, um, you know, white conservatives in a rural community like West Virginia, McDowell County, who voted for Trump, you know, who on the surface, the people from South Los Angeles were just scared would be dangerous racists. And then they come to form relationships with them because they bonded over their shared pain that having lost loved ones to addiction and that eat none of their politics changed. They became friends. They cried together. They hugged together. They, you know, broke bread together and none of them changed their vote. None of them switch parties or anything like that. And then they also became people, friends and people who care for each other and even, you know, walk through the doors of Congress together and advocate for the same stuff. Um, you know, and so it's like those kinds of things, I feel like we're not forcing that, that's things that existed in the world or were happening before our eyes. And we felt like 
they don't, a lot of them don't sit well with you. Some of them I know are just outright like painful to watch. Yeah. And then at the same token, it's like, if there's some virtue to seeing those in a film, some, some of these things play out in a film that could lead to a healing quality or at least an important conversation. And you can do it in a disarming way instead of a way that flames further inflames. And I think it's really important. And I feel like that's the role of independent film as an art form to be able to hold those kinds of contradictions as opposed to, you know, just your Twitter feed or, right. you know, whatever the other spaces are where it, they're not built to hold those kinds of contradictions. It's just, he said this, she said this, let's just fight about it. Or you, you watch this channel, you watch that channel. And there's no uh, meeting of any of those um, perspectives aside from maybe a food fight. And that's kind of a difficulty as well. It's like, you know, as we have this conversation, we are uh, um, on the, you know, we're, we're many days after the Nashville shooting, uh, where the, uh, you know, on surface, you have, well, let's say since you, some, some children and adults were killed in school another mass shooting in America. Um, it creates the ongoing resurgence of the conversations of changing some degree of gun laws, uh, gun safety issues, and all that sort of thing. As we have this conversation, I just checked President Donald Trump, former President Donald Trump, is indicted uh, for nothing that we would assume he would be indicted for, but he's indicted for something that's very adjacent and sometimes that can create a ripple effect. Uh, and then we're having this conversation about obviously prison re reform and the ways that a bill was eventually signed and hopefully leads to more change. But the difficult part is, you know, you make a film that is uh, ex uh, highlighting how this can happen, um, highlighting situations, you, you know, the uh, former incarcerated person, Lewis, that's in it. Uh, you're seeing Van, I guess you could say Cross Dallas is working with Jerry because you're seeing all this stuff happen. You're seeing in ways politics at work. Like you're saying, a person can agree on all these things. We don't want, you know, uh, uh, children to, to get killed in school. Uh, we don't want people incarcerated in unfair circumstances that uh, uh, supersedes the crime that they did. You don't want a president who, uh, you know, some would say crosses the line in power. You know, yeah. we all would should and would agree on these things. Uh, you know, I, I think the the shooter in Nashville was a trans person, and like that creates a paradox for that whole gun law debate. And you can have all these things be true, and no one will budge on their position to go. You know what? I'm a conservative, but I don't want this to happen. I will vote for this thing if I vote for nothing. Uh, that is one of those things where, you know, we feel like when I, when I pick up my camera and tell this story, especially a story that I feel is righteous, I want to be able to move hearts and minds. 
But in ways, we just end up preaching to the choir because the people who agree with you agree agree with what you're saying in the film, agree with what you're saying already. That's almost why they bought the ticket. The people who disagree with you may or may not see it. They may or may not buy the ticket. But those are the people who you're at least trying to reach out to. And even if they see it, love your film. I agree with this. I agree with that. But when that boat is on the line, I will not change my mind. Mm -hmm. uh, it's such a hard, what, especially in politics, you know, uh, like you said, uh, Inconvenient Truth with Al Gore was trying to do something with uh, climate change. Uh, but it, it's such a, it's a weird fight because you, I'm sure, you know, once you, because you did a previous film with Van Jones and you just feel like I'm doing something that's righteous enough to move the needle, yet the people who you're trying to sway still won't change. They'll do all, like I said, in West Virginia, they'll do everything they agree, but they will not change the way that they vote uh, because, I don't know, is it a cult? Are we cults when we pick a side? Is, is does it? Are we picking a side too early? Should we, everyone be independent? I don't know. I don't have the answer to this question. Well, I think that, I mean, I don't have the answer to the question either, but, um, I think that the danger that we're in right now, or one of the many dangers that we're in right now is that like the conversation becomes so much about people in part or so much about party and position that people get left out and the conversation never becomes about how is this shit going to impact people? Like, can we agree that children should not die? when they go to school, like it's a conversation about children first, or like, can we just agree? Are we on the same page that no one wants their kids to wake up in the morning, go get on a school bus and not come home? Right. No parent, no parent in this country would ever, I think ever, ever, ever want that for themselves or for anyone they know. So it's like, but that gets very lost in the part, in the, party side of it and in the position and like you said also the tribal part of it as well and apply that to any one of these issues is that um the impact on people i think is the thing that's being and and the suffering that people are facing in this country is what gets lost in all this stuff and i think that that's the great tragedy of um, the way that uh, these these loud voices have hijacked the political debate. And so then they also make it so much about them that then we, or whoever the we is, can't just relate to one another and just connect and understand each other and our common humanity on some basic level and then build from there. And I think that that's, um, I think if we don't buck that trend, we're in for a really, really dark future. I feel like we only have so many tools available to us to fight against that trend. So I think, I don't, I'm not gonna pretend like filmmaking for the only thing, it's the movie of the movie, it's not gonna save the world, but I feel like it's part of the effort 
to try to get, um, to, to, to steer in a different direction. And, um, it's not about, I mean, you know, I think that the, the other, the other just part, the other just reality is that like, we're not going to live in a country where one party just evaporates or where half the country just like, you know, breaks off and sails into the Atlantic or the Pacific ocean or, you know, oh man, it's getting real possible right now. You know, everyone, you know, let me put it to you this way. I don't want to see us in a civil war. I don't want to see us, you know, tear apart the themes that way. And I'm going to try to wake up every morning and do what I can to just, you know, you know, fight for some decency and civility and, you know, and, 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 and for, you know, equal rights and, you know, liberty and justice for all. Like that's, that's what I'm always going to, you know, try to wake up and put my pants on in the morning and, you know, try to contribute towards. And, um, and I, I think that until we can come to terms with the fact that like, we're all kind of stuck here together, you know, and it's just a question of whether we like build something that's healthy together or we just tear each other's, you know, are just kind of at each other nonstop. I think that that's, that's the choice that we all face. And, and, um, you know, I think that I hope, I hope one of the reasons why I choose to make films is that I feel like it does create some space to be able to explore this, this question. And I've seen that play out time and time again, because when we've taken this film around the country, at least in in-person spaces, and we'll see once the film is available online, that'll be a different dimension. But we've seen it play out when we've taken the film in person in movie theaters or a festival. You get people that show up in the same space. Sometimes they all kind of come from the same group or from the same neighborhood or community, but it's not always the case. And you get a lot of people in the room that probably have never been in the same room together watching the same movie and the kind of conversations and connections that emerge are pretty profound sometimes. And I, I think that that's a cool thing that a movie can have that kind of effect that convening power on people. So one thing I know, uh, one thing that band does in the film and I said a band does in the film. It's kind of y'all. You guys are doing it in the film. <laughs> but, uh, and he get he gets blowback in the, in real life, but in the film, we're doing this very thing. This happens in the film and we see it. Uh, so the question is, uh, there is that humanizing of Jared Kusher, who was once the boogeyman of America that, people kind of thought was uh you know a, a strong hammer because he's had very dead face very stern look to him but he's humanized in this film and obviously uh well not obviously uh, but many people don't know he had stakes and and the way that he related to the situation um so i'm not speaking too much to the stakes and what he had connected to it but how much when you're spending all this time with these characters and these people, 
that we know that we see on on TV as another character that um, 24 hour news definitely beats on in commentaries and pundits. When you see them in real life, how human are they? How uh, either charismatic or, you know, we see uh, now the uh, House Speaker, uh, Hakeem Jeffries. Hakeem Jeffries, yeah. Um, you have all these people that we're used to seeing and hearing about one way, but you're bringing them down. Even a Jared Kushner, who people just hate. Um, see, I'm ranting in a way because I can't escape right now. We just know he got, in, you know, he has these indictments potentially coming up. There's so many things that are developing in real time as we have this conversation. But in the film, you know, how human is he? How much of a real person is he in the sense that he is an actual compassionate person and not just this, you know, selfish person who's only looking out for himself and his family? Well, I, I don't think I can. I mean, it's a good question. I don't think I can answer in a sense because I don't know any of them as well as we know Van. And even then, as much time as I've spent with Van, I don't know if I could even, you know, I, we don't know. I don't know all of Van. I can't speak for, you know, who he is as a person in a sense. I just have spent a lot more time with him than I have with, um, you know, with any of the elected officials and public figures that, that you mentioned. And I feel like we never, our thing with um, our approach with like, you know, Jared or Hakeem Jeffries or uh, Kelly Conway or even we were in the white in the Oval Office and Trump is in the movie, you know, even in, in a few singles. And it was like, we're not going to get the time with them to ha actually be able to really get to know who they are as a person. Like, they're just not going to give us that time and they're not yeah. going to give us that access. They're just not. So what we're going to get is a very, very limited amount of time with someone. Um, and we're not going to get the chance to ask those deep probing questions about who they are and what their childhood was like and some moment, you know, from 20 years ago that scarred them. Like, we're not going to, they're not going to give that to us and maybe they'll have to give it to no one. But the thing that we might get is a moment, like two minutes, 20 minutes, or just a moment that it shows just even a glimpse of maybe who, who they are. And then that's the most that we can offer. And maybe that moment is different than what you would see, even just on the nightly news or on social media or whatever, because even that moment doesn't make it through to the Twitter feed or to, yeah. you know, the nightly news. And then that's a moment with our protagonists who we know better. So because we've had the time to understand and get to know who Van is as a person and he is engaging with that person, then they're, even though they're kind of secondary character in a sense to our primary protagonists, they're still in, 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 in connection with each other. So there's a groundedness then that is there 
if which is different than if we were just meeting, say, Jared on his own. Right. And because mm-hmm. our access our access point is coming by way of someone where we have developed much more closeness. So then there's a little bit more of that intimacy that might be that might be present otherwise. But like I couldn't, you know, it's like I think we would just be ice skating uphill if we were trying to, you know, reveal like character of any of these people. And frankly, we also have to just trust, especially when it comes to public figures, that people are going to come with a lot of their own feelings. And usually with people in some intense feeling about who's in the film. So like, I don't have to even, we don't have to tell you what to think about this person because someone's going to already bring a lot of that table. So, um, and that story has kind of been told already. So then it's just like, can we just give a moment that stands on its own and, and then trust that, you know, I'm not going to try to correct the narrative. Like if, whenever someone thinks about, uh, um, any one of those people, then that's, that's important. And that that's in the room. So you talked about a social media hit and, and, you know, the things with Twitter, uh, and just the, these slices that you could be mm-hmm. from any, any of these people. Um, when we originally talked about the film, you talked about it being an algorithm breaking film. Two years later now, we're having this conversation with so much of, you know, the idea of vir- virality has changed. It has been adapted. There's the TikToks. There's all these different things. And now you have went from festivals to having theater screenings and things like that. Where is, where are you at today with this field? Where, where, where is it going? What are some of those proud moments that you've had along to this way? Um, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of proud there's been a lot of really good moments. Um, I mean, just, you know, meeting you and all the, I mean, I've made so many new friends, but so like I've met, but you know, it's like, I've made a lot of like festival friends right. that I would never would have known had we not taken the film out like on the road this way. This is my point is like, if we had just dropped this film, you know, on a streamer, once it was done, we delivered it, sent a file or whatever the case was, uploaded it yeah. and delivered it to the company. And then it dropped online. Like most of the people who are in my life, who have entered my life for the last two years, wouldn't be a part of my life because it just wouldn't have done those. The film would have done those things and maybe they would have seen it. I don't know, maybe, but not sure. Not a, it's not a guarantee in part because we tried to employ an approach in releasing the film where we didn't just take it to where it seemed like it belonged, but we really, whatever, I don't even, I wouldn't even know how to answer that question. Like, where does it belong? We just tried to put it out there and see where could it resonate. And that took us on this whole journey to go to like 43 festivals across the country. I think it was 43 or 44 festivals in like 35 or 36 states. And then 
we did a theatrical release that we did ourselves. We organized it ourselves, self-distributed theatrically to another 30 cities. And, um, we had about 50, over 50 nonprofit organizations that partnered on the theatrical release. Some of those are criminal justice reform organizations. Most of them were on the left, but some were on the right. Bridge building groups and groups working on addiction and recovery. Colleges, Christian colleges, HBCUs, aggressive schools. I mean, it was just like all these different prisons. We screened the film in a bunch of different prisons, churches. Um, it's just moved through, um, so many different kinds of spaces and community and there was no roadmap for that. Yeah. I think that that was just a, that was just kind of, uh, an outcome of us wanting to try to find every which way that the film could connect with audiences that might be interested in it in pockets of the country where, you know, we could gain access and, um, I wish that we had been able to find a distributor or someone that could have like designed that for us, but to go to your point about being algorithm breaking, there was no one out there that you couldn't, you couldn't like put this in someone's hands and say, Hey, do that. We had to kind of do it for ourselves and then build a little team around us to help realize that vision. And that was on the in-person side. And then I think the, the digital side is kind of the same. Because, you know, we tried, and I think I talked to you about this when we, you know, spoke um, back in 2021, that we tried to take the film to streaming companies and broadcasters back in 2021. And we had an impressive premiere. It was at Tribeca. And then it was at AFI. And it was at these, you know, higher profile festivals. And it was, for the most part, getting well-received. And we took it, we we had a fancy agent who took it to all the big places and no one could identify a place to put it, um, or a place that would take it. Um, and so ultimately what that led us to do was to, um, team up with, uh, um, we kind of came up with a digital strategy that, um, was, um, it's different than what I thought it would be. Like I originally thought maybe this would be the kind of thing we would be able to find a home, like at a big streamer. And that like, we had, we had worked on this for five years and then, all right, I hear it. And yeah. now it's like, this is what you guys do run with it. We couldn't find that, um, in that way. So what we wound up doing is like, we found an educational distributor who we really like that can get the film specifically to colleges, universities, um, faith-based institutions, prisons, even like, you know, and really just do well and be intentional in those areas, which by the way, if you sell your film to a streaming company with an all rights deal, cause I know you want to get kind of, if you're looking to talk shop a little bit, if you sell all your rights to 
or give your rights to a distributor or a streaming company and they take all the rights, you can't break off your educational rights. So then the streamer or whoever has all your rights, then they have your educational rights, which means that if you're going to do, you know, any sort of effort to get the film into those spaces, the person now that has the right has to prioritize that. But if they only want to use one part of the right, say they're only just concerned with getting the film on their platform. Right. And they don't really care about schools. Now you're stuck and the school can't get the film unless they say, oh, well, you got to log on to my platform to watch. But if we're in a prison, well, if you can't get that platform yeah. of the prison, then you're shit out of luck. So this is a way that we could just protect those rights and just try to do you make sure that uh uh people in those spaces who matter a lot to us could get the film and then we broke off the digital rights and said okay well now on digital how do we just find a place that um how can we find a way of making it accessible to people given the fact that we didn't get uh it's not been bought or licensed by one of the big players and we wound up teaming up with the smaller distribution company that we had actually worked with the person who's a principal of that company guy, Matt Levy used to be at another company called passion river and they did dis digital distribution for city of trees. He moved over to a new company called death, death pop. And we basically wound up working with him at this new company, death pop to get the film onto, uh, TVOD streaming platforms. And, you know, it turns out that as difficult as it is to get a film onto SVOD, which is, you know, if you're, you know, Netflix and chilling, like chances are you're watching like SVOD stuff yeah. that you basically need a subscription for, but, um, that's very difficult as an independent to break through and get your work on an SVOD, but it's become much easier than it used to be to get your film on a TVOD platform and so they're helping us to get the film first it's going to launch on amazon then it'll be on uh, itunes and voodoo and you know all these different tvod and some some avod you know transactional video on demand which basically means rent or buy and then avod is ad supported video on demand so um you can then basically get an independent work onto these spacing that are still consumer friendly and relatively accessible. You gotta just, you know, unfortunately in a sense, like someone has to rent it or purchase it, not just build the baked into the subscription, but it's there. And then it's on your shoulders to market it or your, you know, the audience, it's kind of within the audience to just be an ambassador of the film. So that people know it's know to find it. Whereas you're not That's, building, you're not benefiting from like the built-in marketing that comes from, you know, your film being on the S spot. And which is, you know, in our original when we talked before, you know, those opportunity opportunities were still out there, but it's it wasn't as robust in terms of, you know, like you say, you still have to do some some the legwork. You you're responsible for the legwork getting your thing out a there. lot. A lot of things, yeah. and it's like, well, you know, it's, it's it's really possible to get, you know, 
a Netflix, you know, everyone wants the Netflix deal. Everyone wants maybe a prime, uh, amp, uh, and some of the others that's out there. And as well, you know, cause you see all that stuff happening at one point, CNN had their. And they shut it down. Service. They shut it down. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like all these places had to, it was there, but now we're at a correction point where it's like, okay, now we know. These are the places that these are the options we have if it never gets sold. And now you can utilize that. But obviously, like you said, there's a whole lot of legwork that you just have to do a lot. And a lot of that scares a lot of filmmakers want to make it, get it sold and let someone else do the work so we can move on. Look, like it's it's changed even. I mean, you're right. Like in the last year and a half, two years. A lot has changed a lot like this stuff is changing rapidly and if someone watches this two years from now it's going to be a totally different ball of wax too i don't know what the future holds but i do know that what happened even just the last two years since we met is that there has been a kind of i wouldn't even call it a correcting i just call it a consolidation in a sense because basically like what's happened is that you have these extremely large companies some of which already existed, some of which added their own services, you know, and, and, and all, each of them are leaning into their unique selling point or their selling point as being their unique original content. Right. And that that's the reason why you should watch Paramount or subscribe to Paramount instead of Hulu or instead that a Netflix is it's the original stuff. It's not that they have a library of all the great stuff like at a video store it's that they're a channel and they have their own right. original stuff and so then it's a question of what platform is this on is it on this is it on paramount or is it on hulu or is it on netflix is it hbo and the challenge for an independent filmmaker if you're making something that you didn't make for one of those places but you made it for yourself or you made it for a particular community or you're just on your own is that the jump or the leap from making it independently to getting onto one of those platforms has become significantly harder than it used to be. There used to be in the early days of when those platforms were starting and they didn't have as much content and they were looking for ways to fill their yeah. plate. There were some acquisitions that were happening. You hear about, oh, you know, Netflix or whatever company it was is picking up this film and there's a lot of excitement around that. That's not happening the same way that it used to because they're making their own stuff. And as a result, and their floodgates are much tighter. They're not picking up very much at all independently from festivals or otherwise. So to get your work on those platforms at this moment means you basically have to be pitching in advance or at a very early stage. And then the only way that happens is if you have access to a relationship. There's very, very few people that can get in the door and make that pitch. So if you're not one of those people, I'm not, you're in this other category where you're making it on your own. And I think that, um, here's what I know now that I didn't know then that I would pass on to any listener or viewer. And this is not to like burst the bubble, but hopefully to 
try to encourage someone or give someone some information that maybe they could be more strategic and not waste time and money is that if you're comfortable, if, if you're making an independent film and you can rest at peace, knowing that you're not going to try to be that one in a million film that's going to get picked up and rebranded as a Netflix original, then design the strategy out of the gate, not even have that as an outcome. And you can just design a whole strategy to make sure that your film is seen by a lot of people and successful and you make the film you want to make, and it can also be seen and you can even make money, but it, you're not trying to just do that camel through a keyhole type of approach. And, and there are festivals that will get behind you. There are people that will give you money to help make the film. Um, you can design a theatrical distribution strategy so it can get to movie theaters. You can get it on platforms so that people can see it with the apps that they have, like all those things. Now there have, that's where there's been a correcting is on that side for the independent distribution and it's nascent. I think it still has a long way to go. And there's still, in my opinion, too much figuring out and MacGyvering and kind of duct taping to like make it work. So it's not turnkey or user friendly, but my hope is that enough people are working independently and doing things at scale so that we get some better resources and better tools so that um, the independent side can just hold its own a little better relative to the corporate side. Um, and that's, that's something that I'm very invested in. One of the things that I, this is something I honestly got after our first conversation. I, I can't remember if it was this. Uh, on the record or off the record, it's nothing crazy, but it's funny. It's funny. Uh, um, when I, I last year, I shot a short film, one of my short films, and I've been very until I joined a festival, like the behind the scenes of a festival, I was anti-festival. So every uh -huh. filmmaker starts pro festival because they want the fucking laurels and things on there, and I got to a place where I was like. This is an old model, and I could, for the amount of money that I was spending to get to just hope to get in a festival, I could have invested that into getting seen. So mm -hmm. I stopped playing the uh, festival game altogether and just kind of believed in my ability to like promote market and come up with assets and learn, you know, what it takes. You know, one of the things you sent me was like uh, basically a press kit. And Never thought that, never thought of that, but also it wasn't until I started doing press kits that I go, I should have been doing this the whole time. I could have kind of, uh, skipped some steps, but, uh, or, or alleviated some of the pains of please watch my film. Um, but one of the things that after talking to you and I realized, I said with this next film. I would not submit to a festival. Like now I know how important festivals can be to a career, you know, even via through how we met, like you start to make these. It's now, it's no, for me, no longer about, oh, can I get seen as much as what kind of networking can I do and have conversations that can just lead to relationships from, you know, from here to DC or California or the other side of the uh, uh, world. Um, but I said, I, I'm no longer going to submit to festivals I won't go to. 
if I won't show up there, I'm not going to, uh, you know, say, uh, uh, submit to it for it. No other reason than like, you know, I want to be able to interact with the people that are enjoying the film and kind of get a gauge of checking the temperature. Am I make, am I as good as I think I am? You know, everyone, you can find a festival to get in if you want to get in the festival, but you know, it's seen and then people go on about their life. But if it's seen and you can interact with that person, you know, you're, you're building a fan. You're building someone who's possibly going to be invested into your next step in the next thing that you do. Or, you know, in your case, they see that a festival, they want to see it again. Oh shit. That's that movie. I saw at the festival. I can see it on, on a T-Bot or A-Bot. So it just continues to, to, to build. And that's something I, we, I, I know we talked about it because I remember walking away going, you know what? I think I'm just investing going to, uh, you know, submitting the festivals. I'll go some version of the team of people will go to. You know, if we're going to submit to it, let's show up, let's show our face in some form. Because people do like talk, talking shop as well. And you never know who is, you know, looking to spend some money on something or just looking to collaborate with you for no other reason than just really digging the conversation. So th th that's one thing that at least if no one's learned anything, I've learned from the first step <laughs> in the Kramer Brothers is getting out there and really showing up. There's no reason for someone in D.C. to show up to Wichita. But, you know, that's the investment in the plan that you guys made. And, I mean, clearly two years later, it's paid off because you've done it, done it, done it, done it, done it enough that, you know, you're having a moment right now. Well, I, I, I agree. Maybe it's because... <laughs> maybe I agree because you're saying something that came from a conversation we had before, but um, I mean, what you said to me, I think is like so critical, like, um, there's a lot of performative aspects uh, there. There can be a lot of performative aspects of anything, but especially with filmmaking, it's like, you kind of try to present like, oh, I'm successful or I'm doing things right. And, um, whether it's like posting on social media that you're having something good happened or like you're uh, talking about with festivals, like I've seen friends or films that I've run into where it's like you see the poster and there's like 25 laurels. Yeah. I'm like, what are you trying to say? <laughs> what are you trying to say? Like, yeah. Are you trying to impress me? Like, that it, it's having the reverse effect in a sense because it almost feels insecure and yeah like and i put myself in that bucket too sometimes i've done it i've done that as well i'm not saying i'm immune we've all done it so i'm not i'm not above that i'm just saying that when we really look at ourselves like what's the point like what the hell are we trying to do with ourselves yeah and if you made something that felt true to who you are as an artist and it wasn't some cheap trick, but it really was something that you believed in. doesn't mean it has to be serious. It could be funny. It could be light, but just something that feels like it's the true expression of who you are as an artist. And then you're looking to put that in the, out in the world and you're trying to understand 
who cares about the stuff that I'm making? Who's going to enjoy this kind of stuff? Who's going to gravitate towards it? Who are other people that are making things in that same spirit or who are aligned or, you know, have a similar type of approach? Like, and if you don't already know those people, how are you going to find those people? So you kind of, I feel like things like festivals and they're not the only place, they're just one of the few. They are a place where you can understand who your audience is. It's really, really valuable research. Yeah. You don't get that research necessarily by putting something up online unless you're really good about engaging with people in the comments section or whatever. But if you're not, you don't always know. So you get that real world feedback about how is your work actually resonating with people and who is it resonating with? And same thing, like who's your tribe? Like who's your, uh, who's your peers as far as other filmmakers or just people that maybe you wouldn't even thought you might connect with. And I would much rather have like one, two or three film festivals that I could actually go to and really participate in than 30 that I couldn't like any day of the week. Yeah. And I would rather have kind of quote unquote lesser known film festivals that I had a meaningful experience with than higher profile festivals that, um, I, I just had a horrible time at, and that's after having, and I'm saying that, you know, after having had experiences at both, that Not Becca. like, so, so like. You know, I've, I've, I've been fortunate to be a part of some really, really big festivals and some really small ones. And, um, some of the smaller ones have been the most like memorable ones. And I think have ultimately been the ones that like in the long game journey of being a filmmaker and just being a person are the ones that are going to stay with me. That's hard advice to give. And maybe someone could call me a hypocrite and be like, well, that's easy to say if you've already had a film with Tribeca, I'll take the criticism. It's just. That's like what I, I, but I really do believe moving forward that that's, that's, that's just how I see it. And the other thing, the last, I mean, the other thing I'll just say about it is that if you're making things independently, you don't have a, usually most of us don't have a built-in audience and don't have a built-in platform. So if you're making something that is kind of in one of those pipelines, that's going to go directly to a platform. That audience is already built in and they're literally going to flip a switch and immediately it's going to be in millions of outputs. Right. But if you don't have that, you got to build it somehow. It's like, so how, so how do you build it? You're kind of, then the responsibility is on your shoulders for you have to build that audience. You got to build that network. You have to build, and it's not just always plugging into something that exists. You kind of have to build it. So. I just, that's where I really believe in, again, it's not just film festivals, there's conferences, there's like other spaces that people get together. Just film festivals are one of the last ones that I think at their best do it really well. And they're having a really hard time. So I think it's also important for us, for those of us that believe in the festivals to support them because some of them are having a very, very hard time, the regional ones. You, uh, <laughs> it's why you said hypocrite and I have the very, very quickly check myself because like, you know, uh, to, to your same point, you know, I'm fortunate enough where I, uh, I shot, produced and directed a TV documentary. I'm in a position where I could 
pitch this idea, know that I can execute it, execute it. And for me, automatically know that when I'm done and I send it to my bosses or whoever, uh, uh, we are fairly ranked station. So when it goes and they, we've been promoting to say, Hey, this half hour special is coming up. I'm automatically giving, you know, X amount of thousands of people that are going to watch it because that's what they watch. That's the channel they watch. Uh, we did a, a, a job in making sure that people knew that it was coming. And so I have that credit. I mean, and I have the luxury of knowing that, you know, there are some Emmy com- uh, implications that come with that. So I'm seeing it from the side of being an independent filmmaker who had to do that grit and understand it made thousands of mistakes, still make mistakes, and then have the opportunity to go, hey, uh, there's money over here. They have a system already. I really don't have to have the same amount of investment in time, passion, and energy. Not that it's not there because I know I was unbearable the week that it was coming out because I was screaming at everybody. But I also have the benefit of a built-in audience that they have that if I made that same project, I would have to grind it out for months so that people know, hey, this thing that I'm making, you need to know about it. There's a reason. There's a, And then train them to where to go, which is even more difficult. Like you, like you said, you are on different streaming method platforms. It's not the Hulu. It's okay. Voodoo. Yeah, I know that button that you skipped that's on your Roku. <laughs> it's like next, like press that button because they're going to, oh, he said Voodoo. He must have meant Hulu. So, you know, you have all those things that you're, you are what they call it, uh, social engineering just so you can promote your film that you spent, you know, many, many years on and spent three, two to three years just making sure people are aware of it. Like the festival becomes a part of your awareness campaign so that you can make this passive income off of the streaming and finally move on to your next project. Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the things, and I'm learning a lot, so, you know, I probably learned more from my mistakes than I do from my accomplishments. And one of the things that I think that I'm trying to understand better right now and challenge some of my assumptions that I have before is like this idea that you're kind of one or the other. It's like you're either kind of in that system and you're working with the, you know, big companies and you have that, you know, good fortune of, so to speak, of being able to be plugged into the platform, but maybe you have to play by their rules in some cases, but you have access to all the bells and whistles and also just audiences, or, but maybe you have to compromise a little bit, or you got freedom and independence and you're just on the outside and you're doing your own thing, but you got to DIY and build it and, you know, all the things that we're just talking about. And it's like, there's a fork in the road and it's just one or the other and i i think that i i mean i've only existed as an independent 
filmmaker the whole time that I've been making films. And uh, so I can't speak to what it's like to be on the other side, but I have as much as I think we've had accomplishments, I've also just troubled a lot to just keep even that going. And, um, I'm interested in like trying to understand, are there ways that you can kind of move between these spaces? Like sometimes to your point, like, could you be working on a TV show or a program for, for the news station where it has that built in audience? Maybe it's not totally independent, but serving a purpose it's has place for it to go and may hopefully you got paid for it and you know i hope they did that on camera <laughs> <laughs> but you know uh but you know it has uh um you know there's there's a pipeline for it so to speak that's more clear and then you have other projects that are you know it's not as clear, but it's important that it's made independently and that that can, you know, have a, have a viable path too, and that you can maybe move between both spaces, just also creatively. So you don't have to be confined to one or the other. And also just financially that you can survive, because I think the challenge is that surviving right now, totally as an independent has become damn near impossible. And, um, and, uh, you know, I'm trying to just, I'm trying to understand how do you reconcile these two things? Like, do you kind of, I don't know, a younger version of myself would be like, well, do you just sell out altogether and just, you know, try to kind of be a part of the system or you just try to like, you know, grin and bear it and try to just survive as an independent. Um, and I. I think that that mentality that I've carried with me a lot, um, is not serving me well career wise, even if it's led to films that I'm proud of, you know, I know so for myself, you know, it was a, I can't pretend as if like I walked in and it was like, yup, you know, I, it, it was a fight for a point of view, you, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I did it a way that they wasn't accustomed to, they've never done it that way. Um, you know, I'm bringing a very filmmaker, uh, pros uh, a, a point of view to a place that only peddles facts or, mm. or and, and things a certain way. Like their idea of drama isn't actual drama. It's not the shit that people would watch if they mm -hmm. were on Netflix. So I'm, I'm trying to give this point of view, you know, a lot of this came as we built a streaming platform and they needed stuff to put on that platform. It was mm -hmm. like, if we're only putting, re-aggregating the news, let's give people a reason to go to the platform. And that was like the thing that I sold them on. And they gave me a shit ton of trust. But even just going down that hill was a rough one because I knew that I couldn't tell them everything I wanted to do. I couldn't tell them every, uh, uh, just the method I was doing. Like this particular documentary there is some very strong moments there that I knew would, if it was a conversation, they would say no. Mm -hmm. But if I do it within context, that maybe, you know, mm -hmm. and granted, mm -hmm. I, I, I wasn't asked to make but one or two changes, you know, and 
And I was happy for that, but it was still like, I'm, they're gambling. I'm gambling on a whole lot of trust and someone that was relatively new at the time, but I really knew what I was doing. Man. <laughs> and, uh, I had a very, very super small team and I did what I would normally do if I wasn't there with the back end of a situation where I knew like, <laughs> Hey, they have all the capital to make sure it gets out to the people. I don't have to worry mm-hmm. about that. I just need to be the trust that they're giving me. I have to fucking use it wisely and damn near perfectly. And, uh, I mean, it, it, it ended up working out, but I would have made that if I wasn't there. But now that I've created a, at least a baseline of what can happen, you know, I may get, I, I have more longitude to do what I want to do in that space, but, I also, that's not the type of documentary I make. I make fly on the wall style documentaries and I put it together. I'm, I'm watching the story in real time. I'm editing in my head. In this case, it's like, I kind of knew what I was getting into. I had to find those pure moments and talking with people who all they do is put on for a camera. Um, so it was finding that balance, but it was also a challenge and it was a challenge that I'm glad I took and accepted because now I know how to do more than one style of documentary. Um, but I put a little bit of my real self into those, into that project. And I think it paid off, but for nothing more is I have a name check on T for a TV program that has a very high Emmy implication. So I don't know what that's going to do for the other side, but at least it's there. And those are like little compromises like we talked about that, you you know, I make in that whole am I sellout or not type of thing. It's like, all right, there's places where you're just going to have to make a, a, a compromise. And this leads to my final question, at least, because uh, it's relative. Um, you know what? In that course of trying to get it sold or get it picked up, was there any pressure to maybe make a different edit? You know, say, you know what? I like this edit, but. Maybe if I just give them a different edit, that would be enough to get it sold. Mm. Or did you commit to this is the one? It was, it's a good question. That almost, I, I can't actually think of a moment where that conversation ever came up. We never got to that point in the conversation with any of the people that um, we talked to. Sorry, my dog. She's been sitting patiently up until now. Um, that's why it's the last question. <laughs> that's why it's like, she, she knows. She's like, all right, man, you got to do two hours. Uh, um, we never got to a point with any of the potential, you know, buyers or license, uh, licensors, you know, about, you know, oh, I would take the film. If only you could make this change or that there. They uh, they weren't engaging with it on that level. Like, but did they, you they feel like you need to make a change in order to get that conversation that way? Um, you know, I've asked myself that question in when I've been at my lowest points, and um, I wondered that. I, I, if I'm just like God's honest truth is, I don't think so because. 
I think it's kind of beyond like, oh, I would have changed the scene or that scene. Like the film, I think the film works and it's definitely the best film that we as a team were able to make. And there's not a damn thing that I would change about that film. Like when I watch it, I don't, as the filmmaker, say, oh, if I had more time or more money, I would have done this or that. I don't feel that way. And I think that because we feel that way as filmmakers, it doesn't get, like, we haven't gotten that kind of feedback from buyers that, oh, there's this thing or that to change. It's just not the film for them altogether. It's a, it's the, it, it, that's what they, it's like, it's bigger than just, oh, this, this small thing or that thing. It's just the whole premise of the film didn't, is not what they wanted. And that's a bigger thing in, in and of itself when like, there's just not a place for that movie, no matter what it looks like, no matter what those more nuanced creative decisions are. There's just not a place for it at all because the concept or the premise or the story or the people in that film is just not what um what they're after. And so I think and that's that's basically what we found from shopping the film around to all these places. And so I think that, you know, if we had made the film as a takedown piece. This is what I'm saying. It's like, it's more of, it's not an edit thing. It's like a premise thing that if the film was a takedown piece of Van or of the administration or whoever, there would have been a home for that. Yeah. If the film had been, uh, a food fight, like, Hey, we're going to get these people from South Los Angeles and we're going to get these people from West Virginia together. And it just erupted. There would have been a home for that. You know, it's like if it had just been one side or the other and just focused on one ideology or the other, there would have been a home for that. Um, but, but I think that the premise of what we were trying to hold all together, which to me was the story, um, that just turned out to, um, you know, going back to that, 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 you know, idea that you referenced about like an algorithm breaking premise. There, there wasn't, it, it proved that there wasn't, uh, a place that was set up to take something like that. And I find that to be something that's more a reflection of the way that the company is organized rather than a deficiency or shortcoming of the film. But, um, and I think it says a lot about just like not just societal priorities, but just corporate priorities and then how they reflect in terms of shaping the culture and contributing in a lot of cases to the divisions and the divisiveness that we see play out. Um, but nonetheless, like, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's just what it is. I, and I think that we, and I'll just be, the other thing I'll say too, is that all those different versions of, well, why don't you try to cut this or change that? Those versions of the movie exist because mm. I, I could tell you that those versions of the movie exist because the picture lock version of the film is version 33 or 34. So that's not version one that you'll see on Amazon. That's version 34 
and each one of the versions of the film that we created was the byproduct of three to four weeks of intensive editing, followed by intensive workshopping with outside people who were giving us feedback. And so then we would go through these workshopping processes where someone would uh, say, oh man, you know, this film is a mess or it would be a great film if only you took out this or added this. Yeah. So we tried every which bit of the Rubik's Cube and, you know, we, we, we kind of discovered what the film needed to be in, 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 through, through that process. Um, so I just think that it's a long way of saying that, um, I wish that there was more space with all these platforms and all these options out there. I wish that there was more space for independent film that were made in this way. Like, I wish the real estate were being used differently. We're not in that moment. My kind of prayer for the industry is that it moves a little bit more in that direction. I don't know if that prayer is going to be answered, but that's what I hope. But, you know, in the meantime, uh, I, I think that one of the, the great things, I guess, about maybe to like leave it on a high note in a sense, it's like one of the great things about making independent film is that you're not in a position where someone's telling you, oh, do that or do this, like pick out this thing that's really important to you as a creator. And that's why I believe in independent film. That's why I love film festivals is because you're seeing films that were made through that process, not a process of an executive having final cut or, you know, able to, you know, call the shots at the end of the day. Um, but, uh, but I, but I also think that there's a place for making some of those compromises because we all got to eat, we all got to, you know, put roofs over our heads and, you know, I'm not above that at all because it's just important that we all survive. And I think that how each one of us, um, comes up with that formula to just survive and still be creative and still put things out in the world that we, you know, feel good about. I think that that looks different. That probably will look different for every person. And I try to not have judgment on people for the choices that they make. Cause I never know exactly what they're dealing with too, you know, to, to lead them to those circumstances. Well, Lance, uh, we did it. <laughs> so, uh, the first step film, uh, about the journey that CNN's, uh, and former Obama, a cab cabinet member, yeah. Uh, Van Jones went through and creating the first nonpartisan bill that passed under the first bipartisan, yeah. bipartisan, bipartisan, yeah. Uh, bill, first and only bipartisan bill that passed under the Trump administration over criminal reform, with support from people like Jared Kushner. Of uh, uh, I don't know who all. It, it seemed like everyone supported it. In their Hakeem, with yeah, Hakeem Jeffries, Senator Kamala Harris, Rand Paul, Bernie Sanders, and it's a gamut, ran the gamut. Yeah, the who's who's of TV politics was a part of this, and um, I and I, I, you know, the first time we talked, I hadn't seen it, and now I've seen it a couple times. I watched it earlier this week again, um, and it's a really good film. It's like when you say. 
it's it's almost stunning or uh yeah i would say stunning that no one wants to pick this up that it is considered something difficult and obviously some of this just is a relationship thing if you had a certain relationship um with a distributor distributor that that they probably would pick it up because i think the storyline um with band beyond what he's trying to do is interesting enough in terms of trying to get this bill passed, like the challenges that he goes through as a black man uh, who has to, who's basically doing what we really send our politicians to Congress to do. It's like, hey, let's y'all, let's figure this out. Let's not be all the way left, all the way right. Let's not dig our feet in. I think watching him go through that as a human and a uh uh we'll say a politician, but then also have to look at people like his mother and sister and people of the neighborhood community in the face and say, Hey, why are you, you know, have to explain or find a position that he can really believe in to why he's working with this guy that so many of us feel so viscerally about. Not guy, but many people within that, in that cabinet and administration that we all have this feeling about, but working with them enough to try to get something done and ultimately succeeds to getting something done. Just that storyline by itself is interesting enough to just watch, to just be captivated, to see where it's going uh, on top of learning so many of the complicated positions with criminal reform. So, I'm surprised that it is such a difficult thing, but I think some of it just has to be distributor relationship versus the film itself. Because even though there's that idea of not knowing what to do with it because it's so centered and not, uh, or assumed to be centered and not uh, hard left or hard right, I think there is a very clear position in this film that many people understand it's just a journey of how do we get there. I believe that it's a it's a really good film that everyone should see, and I think you have some you you alluded to it. But talk about the future of the film, and then plug you know where people can go to see you, your company for projects you got later, and how to watch the film, the documentary. Yeah, well, first first of all, like as we're wrapping, just thanks thanks for the conversation. Glad we could spend all this time together. I'm sorry I couldn't be in person. We had to, well, you know, that COVID's out there. Yeah, yeah, but um, but it's been great talking to you, nonetheless, even on Zoom. <laughs> um, I'm glad to be the first Zoom, uh, on your show. The first Zoom, um, absolutely the first. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, look, like it's, I'm grateful that the film will be able to be on these platforms, like. You know, it's going to be on Amazon. It's it's not a prime original that someone can watch for free with the subscription, but you can still watch it on Amazon if you got the app. And that is that wasn't possible a couple of years ago. That's what I'm saying. It's like the stuff is changing. Like even just that, the ability to get on Amazon and get on iTunes. It's, it's going to come on iTunes in a in a couple months on in june 
it's going to be sequenced, but it'll start on Amazon first, but just even to be able to get on a common platform, um, you know, as an independent, it's something that wasn't possible that long ago. So I'm thrilled about that. Um, so, you know, starting on Tuesday, uh, April 4th, um, you know, anyone who's listening can, can, can watch the film on Amazon. You can rent it, buy it. Um, it'll be on not as many people are familiar with Tubi, but it is out there and you can get it on Tubi too. And then, uh, it'll roll out on iTunes afterwards and a bunch of the other, um, rental platforms. And then, uh, um, for anyone who happens to be like a teacher or, you know, educator, it's with, um, a company called Good Docs, G-O-O-D-D-O-C-S, and they specifically distribute to educational market. They can do streaming. They can also do DVD if they're old fashioned with the disc. Um, and then, uh, um, we're still going to be working on trying to get a broadcast license too. And so that's not like, oh, we're just over and done. We're still working on that. It might take some time with our first film city of trees. We were at this point of the film being almost two years out from the festival premiere before we got a PBS broadcast. And then two and a half years after it was out, we got a Netflix license. So okay. it just, PBS is promising. It just took like a really slow road, slow road. So my, my, my thing is like, I appreciate you. I appreciate anyone that's listening to this show because it's just like a step-by-step -step thing to, you know, building, you know, bit by bit. And if you're listening to the show, for anyone listening to the show, that you can watch it on Amazon, please just leave a review. Hopefully you like it. Even if you don't like it, leave a review. The reviews, the ratings, that stuff helps so much for an independent film on Amazon. And then just tell a friend and even just telling one friend to, to watch. That's like the engine of uh, getting the film out there. And then, you know, you can follow us on social media. We're at First Step Movie, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, even LinkedIn. You can message me on LinkedIn. Um, or uh, our production company is Meridian Hill Pictures. M-E-R-I-D-I-A-N um, Hill, H-I-L-L -L, Pictures. But on social media, it's just Meridian Hill Pics, P-I-X. And, uh, and then my name is Lance Kramer, and I'm on all the platforms too. I don't post that much myself. Well, we'll put all this information in the show notes so that they don't have to remember this or if it, midway through this, they feel like, I got to find out. All the information been in notes like we talked about in the beginning. If you made it this far. If you made it this far, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, thanks for coming on. I'm glad we could do this again. Uh, if you um, follow the show, follow the show at uh, arrowfilms.com or Midnight Movie Pod. I don't really... I don't really use the Midnight Movie Pod social media. It's just there because I need to own it. But Arrow Films are everything. A-R-O-W-E Films on both Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you're listening to this on iTunes or anywhere other than Spotify, uh, we'll also have clips available on uh, uh, both Twitter, Instagram, as well as YouTube shorts. So 
you know, if you just want to keep following this and be a part of the conversations, however the conversations happen, those are the ways to get it. Again, Lance, thanks for 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 doing this and spending the time. I know you we've been dancing around making this happen for many months now. Now we finally got here and made it happen. Uh, and, made it happen. and we made it happen just around the release of uh, of the film on Amazon, which I hope everyone watches it and check it out, checks it out and uh I just think it's worth watching. It's one of these documentaries that we need because Everything is so left or right. And and the only progress we're ever going to have is walking down the middle and influencing one way or another, bringing everyone to the middle so we can actually make decisions that matter. The decisions that matter, the problems get solved in the middle. Uh, we all have a position on, you know, being a, a progressive or a liberal or conservative or Republican, like, we can have those positions and feel strongly about it, but if we ever want to get something done, we got to come in the middle and listen. So I think your film does that. Um, and it definitely kind of shows that there are people out there attempting to do that. And we need so many more of them because yes, the prison reform thing is, is and was needed, but there's so many things that, you know, this country is faced with that, we're not operating the way we should. And this is one of those movies that and documentaries that show that this is the way we should do it. So thanks again. And until next time, uh, I forgot what I said at the end now. <laughs> until next time. And that's why I'm going to leave it. Until next time. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right.